Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Southern Scrap Nation's podcast. Your host, as always, Daniel Jonas. Yeah, thank you. Uh, no, uh, it's good to be back and here talking to you on February 28th, 2023 at 2.40 p.m. here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Going to be going over UFC 285 today. Going to be talking about that, the return of the king himself, John Jones, the GOAT, versus Francis Cyril Gaon, heavyweight contender, former interim heavyweight champion of the world and um kind of a good step in to the heavyweight waters for john also on the card you have valentina shevchenko the goat of the women's currently probably the goat of the women's of all women fighters at the moment especially the flyweight division she'll be fighting alexa grosso who I think she dipped in and out of flyweight, strawweight, and she found her home at flyweight and has beaten some of the contenders there. Also on the card, you have Jeff Neal, Shavkat Rachmanov, which is a really good fight. Mateos Gamrot versus Jalen Turner at lightweight. And Bo Nickel versus Jamie Pickett to start the card off in the middleweight division. And before we get started with all that, remember to like and subscribe to the YouTube channel, right? Hit that noti bell. I would really appreciate it. Um, I have other videos on there. Uh, put videos of training, of fights, of whatever, and all that. And if you're in the Charlotte area, make sure to come and visit me, get a training session in. And uh, yeah, always, always, always looking for more Privates, always looking to teach more and more. So, all that being said, I think we're all good. We'll get into some news first. Uh, over the weekend, there were some fights. The main event fell off, fell through. So not really much, to be honest, to talk about. This fight, is the that was terrible. Um, it's not really much to talk about besides just getting ready for the return of actually we could talk about tatiana um besides getting the return of john um tatiana suarez i mean she returned this past weekend after kind of like john a four-year layoff knee surgeries knee injuries all these different things that have just hindered her ability to come back she does and she makes it look easy uh I think people call her Tabib because she's essentially the female Khabib. Olympic, I think Olympic qualifier for wrestling. She's huge for the fly, the strawweight division. She fought at flyweight. She even looked big there. And yeah, I mean, her wrestling is incredible. And she sunk in a head and arm guillotine, like jumped guard for it. To let you know on the level of like, how technically above she was in her, of her opponent, Montana De La Rosa. The fact that you're going to jump head and arm in a fight, well, one, it must have been tight, deep, sunk in, you know, 
tied the uh, tied the bow, wrapped it. But even then, to do that in a fight, you have to be like so technically good. Because you're going to do that. You're going to sacrifice position. If you sacrifice position they get their head out, then you're confident that the one, they're not going to hold you there. And two, that you're going to one, get up, or two, sweep them and get back on top of them. In a high-level fight where you're risking coming back after four years. But anyway. Um, yeah, I think... Anyone for her, she wants the Rose Namajunas matchup. I see right here. I mean, it's a good fight. Patty Pimblett admits he was bothered. Nate Diaz, Joe Rogan thought he lost a Jared Gordon fight. Um, when pros like Nate Diaz say, I didn't win, Joe Rogan. I mean, I, I mean, obviously it bothers you, but what does that say? He also blasted a bunch of people that didn't think he wanted, like, he didn't think he, but it doesn't bother him then, and then those guys start telling him then, does it reevaluate your whole decision on what you thought of the fight? Like, does it shake your mental to the core? Like, if one person says it, then why the fuck should it bother you if Nate or Joe say it? They're not in there. I know Nate's fought, obviously, but it's not. that's not the fight he's fighting at that moment. So if you think you won, then why even be on the fence of, oh, it bothers me then if Joe says it? Definitely shouldn't bother you if Joe says it. And then Nate, it's like, okay, Nate said it. Move on. We'll move on to the next one. I know he's being honest. It's all Patty's thing. It's all like, be honest about your feelings as a man. Cool. Do that. Whatever. Doesn't. To me, it's just mentally, where are you? You're a fighter. I want to be, I want to have you come. We'll get into my, the mental aspects of fighting in a second because talking about John and then watching the embeddeds. And the countdown, people must people forgot this dude's mentality. It, I, I, you know, talk about that Mamba mentality, that Michael Jordan mentality, that the greatest mentality. And then when you get caught up, it's like, well, these people on the internet don't bother me. But then when these people on the internet say it, it bothers me. It's like, it should just shouldn't bother you. Just move on. Fight another fight. I can understand. I can empathize. Like, yeah, I'm sure it doesn't feel good. When a guy that knows what he's talking about says that you didn't, you didn't win, but you won. So why the fuck doesn't matter? You got paid like you won. You won. It goes as a win. Everyone's got opinions. Opinions are like assholes. Everyone has one, right? Or armpits. If you're being PG about it, everyone's got one. They stink, and everyone's got one. Um. These are all videos. They're all great. If you haven't seen this video, it's a pretty good video. Henry says some pretty, pretty good things, you know. What the hell? 
This is who is this? Leonidas? King Leonidas? KSW. Hey, MMA fighting? Why? Why are we posting this? We know, I mean, I know, we all know why you're posting this. But have some class, guys. Post stuff that's relevant. Fucking horny-ass people working at MMA fighting for no reason. Ah, Canada. For real. Canada, Canada. This this makes no sense. I don't even know what he's talking. I mean, what? Like, that's what I I tried to understand this, and I don't understand it. I found a video or I found an interview. So what this is is it's Francis responding to Francis responding to a tweet that John tweeted about Francis. Found an interview of Fran. This is John's tweet. Found an interview of Francis talking about he'll forever be the undisputed champion because no one beat him. Once I saw that, my tone changed. I thought I would tell how I really felt. He did make the right decision. He left before I came back. Smart move. So essentially, Francis is going, I'm the best ever because no one's beaten me. And obviously the one that he did get beat, he got back. He leaves. So it's like, well, you'll never beat me because I'm not there. Okay, well, technically, Stipe is the greatest because he has the most title defenses. That's what matters. So not the greatest. Even if you left as the champion, you still haven't defended it more times than Stipe. So therefore, Stipe is the greatest. Logic. Okay, so now let's look at Francis's logic. Johnny Boy pick a side of the fence, and then he posts... I don't like uh, okay I just want to I just want to see this he okay so he posted he was never the light heavyweight champion he never beat me this has been my era since 2011 I want to make it loud and clear DC is no champ champ when we talk about an asterisk next to my name there's always going to be an asterisk next to the idea of him being champ champ true he was never the lightweight champion so what Francis is implying is that when John beat DC and then DC came in and took the light heavyweight championship and then John had to leave due to other circumstances, da, 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 um, that saying DC was never the lightweight champion because he didn't beat me is the same as when Francis leaving for financial reasons and no one beating him is the same. Problem being is John came back and beat DC twice, took the belt, and then went on to defend the light heavyweight division even after DC retired. Okay. And now he's going up to heavyweight because he's done it all at light heavyweight and still had more title defenses than you've had fights in the UFC or probably in your whole career. Not not smart shit talking, if you ask me. But once again, we'll get into the mentality in a second. 
with John and why there are certain things that just that make me that remind me of who he is and why I'm glad he's back. Get out of my face, Ad. Um, I will say this is big. Uh, Yaroslav, Yaroslav Amsov defeated Logan Starley, Storley for the second time. Logan Storley to get his belt back in Beltor. If you do not know this man's story, he's a Ukrainian welterweight fighter, champion in Bellator. Is like twenty eight zero now. Phenomenal. Doesn't even have a wrestling background, but motherfucker can wrestle. Undefeated. Shit pops off in Ukraine a year ago. Motherfucker was like, take my belt. I'm out of here. I gotta go defend the homeland. Does. Front lines. Crazy, right? Comes back this past weekend. Smokes Logan Storley. I mean, easy. Like, he he never left to get his belt back. Movie in the making. But what's the tale of the whole story is that he's not just... It's not just like a... What a great story for Bellator. No, this guy could go to the UFC and beat everyone at welterweight. Everyone. Easily, too. So that's where I'm I'm hoping, and he's young. He's like 30, maybe. Let's see how old he is. Oh, he's he's Sambo. Oh, he's twenty nine. He's 29 and he's 27 and 0. 20, I think 28 now. Yeah. Crazy, right? 27, okay. Crazy. Um Anyway, Let's see what else. What else? I'm excited for Rafael Fazee versus um, Justin Gaethje in London. I think that's a great fight. It's a great fight. Okay. Sergey Pavlovich is going to be the back backup for John Jones versus Cyril Gaon. That, to me, is a scarier fight than the Cyril Gaon fight. Just because... Oh, by the way, get ready for a canceled event if anything happens to Cyril Gaon. There's only been one canceled event in all of UFC history, right? John Jones versus Dan Henderson, 150. UFC 150. Got canceled. John refused to fight Chelson, who was supposed to be the replacement. There was some story drama that that's what, like... Because Dan and Chael were in the same camp, possibly, like, 
that's the don't break kayfabe kind of thing, but that maybe they planned this from the get that Dan would be like, oh, I can't, and then Chael would step in. The only time. And it was Chael Sonnen, and we saw what John did to Chael, right? And John said, no, not fighting Southpaw. You guys didn't pay me to fight this guy. You guys paid me to fight Dan Henderson. I'm not fighting. So they canceled it. They canceled the whole event. Never done it before. Canceled the whole event. Pissed Dane off. Dane and Turd gave him the jail fight. The fight that he didn't want it. But they put it behind uh, Ultimate Fighter. And you know what's funny? One of the... One of the more prolific Ultimate Fighters, you had Uriah Hall and Kelvin Gastelum. But Uriah Hall started it off with one of the most scary spinning heel heel kick knockouts of all time. Kelvin then went on to win. I think I don't know if he was last pick or anything, but Kelvin versus Uriah Hall in the final. I mean, it was a great season. And then it all led up to John just smoking Chael Sonnen. I mean, Chael's like, I never got taken down. I don't know what he's saying. I forget what he said. In his career, he's like, he did it three times in one round. Um, Brendan Allen with a really good win this weekend. I mean, just 30 seconds left in the fight, and he submits Andre Muniz, like submitting the Jacare of the middleweight division now. You know, he submitted Jacare himself. But submitting a submission guy. It's like submitting. It's like when Fluffy Hernandez submitted Adolfo Vieira. Nice. And this is the fourth win in a row, and all times he was under he was an underdog. All right. Let's get into it. All right. Let's get into the fight. Let's get into the return of John Jones. Let's get into what's been talked, what's been said, the predictions already. The yeah, predictions are a what people have already been saying. The the storylines, the storylines I've seen. Ring rust, that's one. He hasn't fought in three years. He's fighting a guy that isn't like any other heavyweight. He's more diverse and versatile and. Yada yada yada, light on his feet. He's more athletic than most heavyweights. He's got more weapons. He does. What other storylines? Trying to think of other storylines. Um I mean mostly the ring rust thing, right? Oh, John's final wins. Weren't impressive. That was the other thing. That's the other storyline. Is like, is he getting older? 
These are all fair arguments and things that favor Cyril in that way, right? John's been gone. He's never seen anyone like me. I move like him. I hit harder than any of his last opponents. I'm the new age, if you will. To, where to start as far as analytically how to break this down, I've, I want to talk about the return and what we've seen so far from John. John's very good at when he comes back. He doesn't really show a lot. He shows what he does in the cage. And that's all you need to really see and understand. He'll show snippets here and there. But he's very good at like being secretive with what he's going to bring. Part of it is his size. He's not really talked about it. He's not really talked about how much he weighs. He's like, I just want Cyril to see me before I even discuss how much I'm going to weigh. I think that's fair. He says he's not cutting. So that means he's... He's at a nice weight where he feels fast and athletic, but he doesn't feel diminished of strength. He feels like he hits with a more power, but without having to cut weight. So I'm probably thinking he walks around at a nice one or 250, maybe 245. But just like that's what he walks around at. He's physically strong. He and Cyril probably don't have to cut. And he probably can fuel himself the right way. He used to cut to 205, so he probably walked around at 220 anyways. So he probably put on 20. And that's the big thing. Like the year... So if you go back and you watch John's embeddings, John always was ahead of the game in the way that you're supposed to present yourself and the way that you act in MMA. Growing up with two brothers in the highest level of football and to explain... And try to conceptualize on a human level, if you will. I mean, we're all human, but what they do is almost like beyond human. He comes from an athletic family, a genetically gifted family. But it's one thing to be genetically gifted and a, and a whole other thing to be even more, to be the highest level of genetically gifted. So bear with me while I try to explain. Kamaru Usman wrestled Division One. His brother, I'm pretty sure, played football Division One. That in itself is a whole different realm of athletic achievement. Most people don't go to universities to play football, especially a high level. Let's see. Um... Mohammed Usman. Let's see. College football. Okay, college football. For the Wildcats. I, I don't... From from Arizona footballer. 
I mean, did he play for Arizona? No. Those are the Sun Devils. Okay, so, I mean, this is this is fine. I'm just going to explain it. Um, he was a former Texas State wrestling champion. I mean, already awesome. His main goal after high school was to make it to the NFL, but combat sports was always his back of the head as he was his brother's thing. He then went play one season at the 86ers of NFL Europe in Sweden. He won most important player of the year. He went undrafted in the UFC in the 2012 NFL draft. He went undrafted. Already, you know, already they tried. He went to the draft. He was undrafted. So, already, incredible achievement. John's family, his brothers, one of them is a first-round draft pick. The other one is a Super Bowl winner. The, the statistics to be able to go to the NFL after college. One point six percent. One point six percent go to the NFL. Two of them went, and one of them is a Super Bowl winner. Sorry, I'm doing percentages for people that are watching. Look at this. Uh, I have to go all the way down here for this one? Obviously, this is the one that everyone wants to know. Ugh. Um, percentage NFL players win a Super Bowl. Here we go. 3% of... 3% of players, that's a little over 3% of players that will win one every year. So 3% win every year, right? The fact that you're one of the 3% every year that wins is crazy. On top of the fact that you're, you're already the 1.6%. There's two of them in the family. And then on top of that, the youngest brother is arguably the greatest of all time. So, MMA fighter. To bring it all back, the reason why I'm saying this is because ever since you watched the very first Embedded with John, he's acted and and been a professional the whole way through. He has coaches meetings. He dresses up for them. They go into the they go into the coach's office at Greg Jackson's before. They would set it up the way that a college football player would set practices for themselves, or NFL players would set practices for themselves. He'd go through assistant coaches, his striking coaches, his wrestling coaches, his jiu-jitsu coaches, and then Greg Jackson. They'd all get together. They'd go through their week. They would break it down, what he's doing this day, what he's doing that day, who he's sparring with, da 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 what his schedule is like. To a T, he would break it down. Like a professional fucking athlete. He set the blueprint for everybody else and did it before everybody else. Before he fought Dom Reyes, Dom Reyes, and he got... He got mocked for this. He would say, he's never fought an athlete. 
Bro is the athlete. John was the first ever, remember when everyone was, or they still to this day they say, can't wait till the UFC pays more so then we see these fighter people the we see these athletes who would go to play NBA to play in the NBA or the NFL choose to fight instead. John is that person. He is what would happen if an NFL football player was like, I'm gonna go fight instead. That's him. He did it. He's doing it currently. He's a one of a lifetime athlete, one of a lifetime fighter. I have always stated I do not care about his outside activities from the octagon. This is a podcast about fighting and fighting only. His stuff that happens outside the octagon has nothing to do with his accolades and achievements within the octagon. Whether you like him or not as a person, that's your own personal bias, right? But numbers don't lie, defenses don't lie, and like he said time and time before, and he said it about the Cyril Gon fight, and he's saying it, he said it about his previous opponents, he's had 14 title defenses, and Cyril Gon's only had 12 fights. Obviously, he has a lot of amateur fights before that, and kickboxing and Muay Thai, yada, yada, yada. John's fought title defenses for the UFC, not title defenses outside the the UFC, millions of eyes on him, for years. He's done this. So, when people bring up the argument, his last opponents made him look slow, made him look normal. Maybe, or John... Just didn't care. The way I, I rewatched all those fights. So I rewatched Thiago Santos fight. I rewatched the Anthony Smith's fight, even though he dominated that fight. And I rewatched the Dom Reyes fight. Yes, Dom Reyes threw a lot of punches. Dom Reyes was on the back foot the whole time. Dom Reyes could not set a rhythm. Okay, he defended some takedowns. Okay. John was never deterred. Part of John's ability to fight. Is though being the taller fighter, he presses forward. He puts the pace on fighters. He puts the pressure on them with patience. And he makes them fight his fight, even though he then fights their fight. It's a a lot of mental gymnastics. But the fact that he being the taller fighter is never deterred. Okay, I didn't take you down. I get, I push forward. I don't let you push me back unless it's on my terms. Unless I'm put, I'm I'm on the back foot because I'm setting things up, like maybe throwing an inside leg kick from my southpaw side to your open stance side. He w- he puts the pressure on people one because you know when someone's fighting backwards they can't. You see everything before they do it. It's easier to see them, but two then they can't they can't they can't. They can't get the power, the same power if they're on the back foot and they're they're circling away, right? They're constantly moving away. So when I watch those fights, that's what he did. He puts the pace on them and he puts the pressure on them and he picks the right shots. Every shot that he picks lands. He hits with accuracy. What I like that he does is he'll go to the leg. If you avoid the leg, he'll immediately go to the head or body because you take one target away from him, the other target's going to be there. If you pull your leg away 
for one of his kicks, like let's say those oblique kicks, you pull it back. Well, your head is now over your feet. So the head kick's always there. He always does that. He'll go low and then immediately with the other leg go to another target. And then that's how he can set up, you know, when he does like those pretty combinations. So in those fights against Thiago Santos and Dom Reyes, it just seemed like he wasn't he wasn't the one having to put the pace on them. He put the pace and pressure on them as a risk, like, you know, minding his risk, putting them on the back foot. I'm not going to take a risk in letting Dom Reyes fully extend and hit me with one of his left hands. But as far as the same aggressiveness that he fought Shogun with, yeah, of course he didn't. There's no reason for him to. He doesn't have, there's no fire for him to do that. He broke Dom's nose, though. And then, like, the third round, he broke it. And then on top of that, look at all these fighters after they fight him. And that's part of the argument is like, well, look at the fighters after they fought him. Look at how bad they are. Is it that? Or you look at them before they fought John, and then look at them after they fought him. They're broken mentally. Dom hasn't won one since he's fought John. He was on a tear before he fought John. Look at the record before he fought him. Then what happened? He can't get it out of his mind. I think I won that fight. I think I won that fight. You didn't. Move on. You haven't won since. Jago Santos. I mean, both his legs destroyed. And people were like, well, he kind of did to himself. It's like, you can say what you want, but you didn't have to hyperextend your legs trying to kick John's legs out. You didn't have to be over-aggressive. He got to the point where he let their aggressiveness, their their desire to be the next champion, their ability to, you know, be explosive and try to take it from him. He let them just trip over their own feet until they beat themselves. Till he was still there in the third, fourth, fifth round, kicking their legs, punching them in the face, that they just stopped. They just stopped. They looked at him. They just watched him. And that's where I think Cyril's going. In the interviews I've seen with him recently, and what I've seen him talk about with John, he's acknowledged John's the GOAT. Obviously, John's the GOAT. But if you're fighting the man, you can acknowledge everything he's done. It would be a disservice for you to acknowledge your, your opponent's accolades and achievements. But to mentally put yourself in a position where you're saying he's the greatest of all time, you now are looking up to him. When you step in the cage, you're going to be watching him because you're, you, you're in there with what you said is the GOAT. If you're, if you're fighting John, you have to think you're the greatest of all time. Yeah, your, accolade, your accolades, your achievements might not, they may not represent that, but mentally you should think I'm the greatest fighter God's ever put on this earth. And the fact that John's stepping in the cage with me, he's going to see that I'm the greatest. And I'm going to be the one to prove that I'm the greatest fighter of all time. Yeah, I know he's done all this stuff and everyone thinks he's the greatest. No, but I'm the greatest fighter alive. Doesn't matter how many fights John's had. How many, I'm, I'm, that's the mentality you should have. Not just acknowledging he's the greatest of all time and I'm in there to have a fucking payday. 
The other side of that is, and this ties into the Valentina thing, great fighters with long legacies never talk about, and this goes back to the Ngannou thing, they never mention, I want to hold the belt for a long time. They go, once I have the belt, I'm happy. I've done it. Mama, look, we've done it. Like, that's what they say. They, they're happy having the belt. John and Valentina, whenever you ask them questions, it's always, I will hold this belt for longer than anyone will ever hold it. John's goal since he started was to hold the belt longer than anyone could ever, that no one would ever be able to beat his record. It's not about holding the belt and then moving up to heavyweight and then being quote-unquote double champ. Once you get the belt, the work just starts. Now you're just starting. Once you have that belt, what the legacy that matters is holding it longer than anyone can ever fathom and possibly ever do again. And John holding it for, I think, seven... How many title defenses? Thirteen title defenses. All right. Demetrius is like the only other one. And all those fighters, right? All those fighters, I mean, 13, that's a, that's a lot. That's more fights than Cyril has as a fighter. 13 of those, all titles. That's the hardest part about it. That's the hardest mental part, is to get up for a fight. For you, 13, I mean, you've done it. You fucking got the t-shirt. You got the rubies. You got the things 13 times. But every time you fight, the person you fight, you're fighting is their best day of their life, of their career, of their moment. They think that's the moment they were put on earth for, is that fight with you. And with you, it's just every other day. Oh, great. Another person coming for my belt fantastic for that person though it's the hardest they've ever trained it's the hardest they've ever pushed themselves they think they're made for this they think that it's their moment and they will be victorious and john with barely sweating goes yeah maybe but when he's fired up and he's like not on your greatest day because it's my greatest day he does what he does to Shogun. I think that's the kind of fire he has back now. He's come, He's going up to heavyweight. He's not ever been the champ there. He says, and when he talks, he says, my shit, like my career's just begun at heavyweight. And I plan on holding the belt at heavyweight longer than Stipe. I think he can do it, honestly. I mean, easy. It's an e to me, it's easier than the light heavyweight. Light heavyweight, the problem with the light heavyweight fighters, especially like, when I break down the physical part of the fight in a second. The hardest part is the speed. Like, Leota for John was probably his hardest fight. Not in the aspect of, like, Leota being some physically strong 
Ngannou looking figure, but the fact that he's so fast. Like in and out, in and out, in and out. Like if he did it for five rounds and John didn't attack him when he was attacking, it would be hard for him to even get the takedown because he just wouldn't be there. It's, anno it's annoying. It's hard. It's arguably harder than a bigger fighter. Being bigger just means you're slower. And John's seen fast. He's seen Thiago Alves or Thiago Santos. Fast, explosive. With one punch touch of death power. But now John's the quote unquote faster guy, the smaller guy. So before I wrap up, just the mental aspect. So let me wrap up the mental mental aspect. To me, Cyril's in this for the opportunity to fight John. John's in this to continue a long legacy and to start a new one. Not that he's looking past Cyril. He respects Cyril and he, he understands Cyril has a lot to offer. But he's he's... Cyril is going to be part of his resume. And that's what he looks at. Is like, at the end of the day, what's my fucking resume? He's not looking past Cyril. But he's looking past the, that, him in the aspect of, I'm just, I'm, this is just getting started. He also had a really good point. Cyril trains pretty. Like when he sees him, he's always in the gym with the nicest clothes and the nicest gym, beating up on some partner that has no business being in there with him. And John's like, I've never seen him in the trenches, getting dragged down. And at first I was like, what are you talking about, John? Like you're in there with guys that aren't, I wouldn't say they're technically on the same level. But then it, it clicked with me. They're still UFC fighters. And he is right. Cyril's in there with people that give Cyril respect. So even on their best day, they'll be like, ah, I'm not going to go too hard because it's still Cyril Vaughn. It's my boy Cyril. I want to be friends with him. I want to be cool. I don't want to hurt. I don't want to like potentially hurt him and take him out of the fight. So they almost handicap themselves. What John's saying is that he's in the training camp with the guys in the UFC that every day they may not be the best heavyweight fighters of all time. Right? They might be like, like Walt Harris was a top 10 guy, but he's not, I'm, you know, not top three or whatever. But they're probably in there every day gunning for John Jones and they're still heavyweights. So, you know, they still hit very hard and, you know, are big boys. So I think what he means by that is those guys are in there. They're pro level fighters. I mean, there's no if, ands or buts about it. They're high level and they're out there for his fucking head. So whatever Cyril brings, it's not mentally something that he's going to have to worry about. Like, oh, everyone's showing me so much respect. and the slow. No, he can go out there, guns blazing. Big heavyweights ready trying to take my head off. I already know it. Whatever. That's fucking old. They're trying to pin me. They're trying to submit me. So when John goes out there to wrestle, it's not like, a, oh, let's, you know, back and forth, back and forth. No, he's going out there to fuck Cyril Gone up. Because all training camp, he's just had these big motherfuckers just trying to fuck him up. 
rather than trying to keep the show horse nice and pretty so he doesn't break his leg. Instead, John has to mentally put himself in the position of, no one's going to break my fucking leg. I'm going to practice. I'm fucking everybody up in practice. And they can think that they're going to do the same to me. And I am hope they try to. It's like the Justin Gaethje, um, Trevor Whitman thing. Trevor pays his guys to try to knock Justin out. Obviously, you don't want to knock Justin. But you can't show them respect because you have to keep them human. You have to treat them like everybody else. And it only makes them better. Because when you when you hold back for them, you're doing it a service for them. And you're doing it a service for you. Treat everybody like they're human. Like everybody else. You go in there and it's John Jones. I'm not trying to be friends with John. I'm trying to fuck John up. And then in turn, he'll respect you. And in res- with that respect, you'll earn everything that comes with it. I'd rather be respected by John than being like his friend because he and I touch bar every Saturday. Right? So. But to break down the physical aspects of this, let's see. So Cyril, as a fighter, I think he does possess a lot of variety and weapons that John opponents don't have. But John possesses a lot of variety in his weapons that Cyril, or variety in his weapons that Cyril hasn't seen in heavyweights. And let's not forget, John took these three years to develop muscle. It takes that long to develop that much muscle and also be be able to move with it. People just think it's three years of ring rust. No. No, 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 no. You are showing your ignorance when it comes to athletics. People that don't know, don't know that it takes a lot longer to develop muscle than just a year. And to not only develop muscle, but be able to feel comfortable in that body. Right? He's got to be able to do everything he did as a light heavyweight with 20 pounds more muscle. And for those that don't understand that, that's a lot to do. Most people would take longer than three years. Let me just tell you that. To be able to do what John does and then add 20 pounds of muscle, it would take longer than three years to do that. You would have to be some, I don't know, genetic freak that comes from a, I don't know, family of genetic freaks to be able to do it in a three-year time span. Anime characters do it in two, and they've got plot devices, and they're not humans, basically. So, where I think that this fight goes, because I can, I can break it down physically on that level pretty easily and pretty quickly. Zero, in and out fighter. Obviously doesn't have the good wrestling. Do I see John just trying to double leg him? No, I don't see John trying to like double leg Cyril gone. Because I think that's a losing battle. Trying to double leg him the way that he did Dom Reyes or the way that Ngannou did to Cyril is what he's prepared is what Cyril's prepared for. What I think John does is he goes John old fashioned and tries to take Cyril at his own game, the kickboxing aspect. Doing the same things that Cyril does, you know, attacking the legs, going up high, doing all the things that I was talking about. 
But I think the difference is I think John's going to focus a lot of the the boxing aspect because what's a good way to beat a kickboxer? Beat them with the hands. Show their deficiency in the boxing aspect, especially with his longer reach, and use the sit kicks to set up his hands. And once he does, he can close range into that clench. Now, Cyril has a very good clench, not to take away from his Muay Thai. However, it doesn't have the depth and level of John, who understands the clench work, because I don't know if a lot of you guys realize, but in John's earlier career, who he had in the corner almost religiously and almost on every early fight of his leading up to his championship, yeah, I think even in his championship fight, was Phil Nurse. Phil Nurse was George St. Pierre's Muay Thai coach, and he's a very, very, very technically good Muay Thai coach. Um, sadly, not on Instagram, like, super lot but if you watch his stuff it's very good and that you can see why john learned his elbows from from phil and i think that's where john obviously he's got a lot of elbows even more so than cyril who's shown elbows i think john's proficiency with them is like higher tier like cyril's an a tier with them john's an s tier with his elbows and once he's developed that gray area of like in-between range, I think that's where he beats Cyril. Every time Cyril feels like he's going to get something off, like a kick or whatever, I think John drives through and goes to that in-between range. And eventually by the second or third round, probably by the if John just smokes him, it'll be in the first. That's where I think the takedown will come from, that Greco style. He takes him down. Crucifix, just like circa 20, 2012 John, and then just starts to elbow, right? Fuck it. Crucifix elbows. Either op that opens a submission up for him, or he just TKOs Cyril in that way. And I find Cyril... I, I'll, you'll catch Cyril just watching John. I think that's... I think that's the issue is I think you'll catch Cyril watching him and not pulling the trigger and he'll have the same, he'll have the same sentiment that he did that everyone else does. It's just different when you're in there with him. Cyril's path to victory is obviously to set up the kicking to then da 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 and then like, like bounce around, kick him and move. Cyril doesn't have one punch knockout power. I don't, I don't, I mean, obviously he's got, he's strong, he's got, but this idea that he goes in there, he sparks John in one round, when, when has he? Don't worry guys, he's only had 12 fights, we can figure this out pretty quickly. Third round, fifth round, third round, fifth round, fifth round, second round, third round. Submission in the first round. Fifth round. Not once has he sparked someone in the first round. Get my point? Like it, it's The more time you have in there with John, the worse it's going to be for you. But in order for Cyril to win, it requires more time in there. Wrestling isn't a sport. It's a mentality. 
It's not that John's going to go in there at like a sport wrestler and just like double leg him. It's going to be a mentality. It's the constant lack of being deterred and moving forward with pace, pressure, and patience. I preach it to my fighters because it's how you win fights. You have to be patient, right? The, the three Ds are the way that you judge a fight. The three Ds... And the three Ds. Well, the, the P's are are how you the three P's are the are like the pathway to the three D's that determine the fight, right? Three D's that determine the fight, damage, duration, and dominance, right? Through patience you can yeah, through patience, you can you can take the duration, right? Through the patience, I can, right? I won't ever get deterred through patience. I've got five rounds. I've got five rounds to work. I'm patient about it. The pressure is how you determine the dominance, right? If I'm pressuring my opponent constantly, I'm dominating them. I'm in, I'm in, I'm implementing my will onto them through pressure. I'm never letting up. I'm dominance and pace, right? I'm going to set a pace and that pace, yeah, that pace will set the damage. If I keep that pace going, I'm going to damage you. I'm going to keep that pace going. And those are all interchangeable. I'm just the top of my head. If I set up high pace, I'm gonna put a lot of damage on you. If I if my pace is slow and and lack of, thereof, there's not gonna be any damage output. I'm gonna have no output. So I need to put the pace out there in order to implement damage. All right? And those three D's, damage, duration, dominance, are how you how you win fights. That's the X's and O's. John's been doing this. He's been doing this. And he wins. So for any of the armpit armchair armpit, all any of the armchair people that are out there like that have never played sports in your life, John been doing this at the championship level. You all must have forgot. The king is back. But let's talk about the queen real quick. Um and then, let's see, where are we at? Yeah. Let's talk about the queen real quick, and then we'll get out of here. But Valentina Shevchenko versus Alexa Grasso, not much to say about this in the sense that it's the next victim, if you will. But the things to look forward to and why you should pick Alexa Grasso, because... I just want to get to where her flyweight career. Okay. So her flyweight career started with Ji Yon Kim, beat decision, beat Macy Barber in decision. And then she went on to submit Joanne Calder or Joanne Wood and decision Viviana Arujo. Right? So you go. 
Why? Seems like an impossible task for Alexa Grosso. She's the first girl that Valentina's fought that I feel as though mentally wise she won't be deterred. I feel as though Alexa Grosso is a veteran already. She's fought at strawweight and, and kind of figured herself out. She's not a strawweight fighter. She's a flyweight fighter. That's a big mental thing to come come to terms with as a fighter, right? That's a that's a maturity aspect. You go, I'm not in the right weight class. I need to do what I need to so I can fight at 125 and win and not be just out grappled. And she finds ways to victory and she does it. And I think an aspect that a lot of girls in the UFC lack, and that is striking. How do you beat a Valentina Shevchenko? Shooting on her is not the answer because strikers are aware they're... There's a new manga I'm reading. It's great. It's called Hell's Paradise. And their whole key system is an awesome duality of life it's based on the duality of yin yang your strength and weakness are what determine your level of talent if you can understand that your weakness is in one aspect obviously you do what you can to to work on it and get better but knowing that's a that perfection is a i mean you try to achieve it, but you'll never reach it it's a untainable goal you can only level out so much especially with her age she's 30 Four. Valentina's 34. It's getting up there for a lady in this sport. Because it's up there for any athlete. And especially at that weight. It's very hard to maintain that speed and timing and fast twitch muscle fiber. And she takes care of herself and yada yada yada. It's just very hard. So she knows that her her deficiency is grappling. And knowing that, it's going to be very hard for you to take her down because she knows that that's where you're gunning for and that's why her distance management's great, is like understanding the range of if you want to take that shot, it's all this red danger area. And so if you're going to do it, she makes you look very dumb doing it. And that's what makes it hard. But if you're competent in your hands and you're striking and you don't feel like there's much of a, you know, just like disparity between your skills... And you feel like you can go in there and strike with Valentina, have the confidence to do so. That red zone actually starts to get closer and closer and closer. And that's where Talia Santos had a little bit of success. Where you saw that it became a little bit easier for her to engage in the grappling because of her confidence and her striking. She got to the grappling part because she was like, oh, I can strike with her and I'm not afraid of getting knocked out. And so when you get confident enough in your striking where you have the confidence to just go, oh, I can just stand and bang and not have to worry. And then all of a sudden you get closer and closer and then you have your underhooks. And now you're grappling. And Alexa understands that Valentina's grappling really isn't that complex. She's only got like one takedown. It's like a double under to side control and then to crucifix. It's very MMA fundamentally strong. But Alexa spends time in the gi and she spends time doing the extra because I'm sure she enjoys the jiu-jitsu aspect. So if she realizes that's her only avenue in grappling, it's like all I have to do is not make mistakes in the striking 
and stay true to my fundamentals and my Mexican boxing and close that distance and have trust in my guard and in my punches that I'm going to get there. And I think that's where Alexa Grasso actually has a lot, has a, in my opinion, has a lot of ways to win more so than others. She saw the success Talia Santos had. She has experience in the UFC. And I don't feel like she has a, she's afraid to strike with Valentina. I think they're physically the same size. And I think she's going to be able to match her for speed. It's just the kicking. The kicking is going to be the issue. And that's where I feel like Valentina has a little bit more of the edge and can keep the fight standing and in that, in that range and have Alexa. But when it comes to betting, I'm always going to say bet against Valentina just because if Alexa wins, I mean, win a lot of money. So it's my, it's my bet always is going to be against Valentina. Not that I don't think Valentina might win dominantly. But I just think that if you put money on Alexa to win, there's chances that you make a lot of money. So why not? That being said, I don't know what the odds are because of her last fight and minus uh, plus 400. See, it's not as much as the last fight because of the because of her last fight. But see, that's what I'm saying. So just bet on her. Bet on Alexa. All right. And for the rest of the card, things to look out for: Jeff Neal versus Shavkat Rachmanov. This is fight of the night for sure. Shavkat undefeated, and then Jeff Neal, greatest test of his for right now. Not much to say about this. Just. Watch the boys go at it. Jalen Turner versus Mateos Gamrot. Jalen was supposed to fight Dan Hooker. Instead, he gets a grappler, hard-nosed grappler. Um, it's going to be up to Jalen to make that that range scary from all the way out. Force Mateos to shoot from all the way out here. Otherwise, it's going to be a long night for Jalen. And Mateos is just going to climb back um, after he's done doing an outside single. Because how are the ways that he loses? Decision, decision, KO. Hmm. Yeah, not a not much as far as like a. I will say about the Shavkat fight. Jeff Neal fought and lost to Kevin Holland earlier in his career. I watched that fight, and it looked like he had a little bit of trouble with that length. So just look out for that versus Shavkat. You know, the, the kicking game of Shavkat might cause Jeff Neal some problems. Bo Nickel versus Jamie Pickett. A tale of, is three fights enough, or is this kid destined for greatness? They're trying to do my boy Jamie Pickett like that. Jamie Pickett representing Wilmington, North Carolina, and that Eastern North Carolina area. 
Um, I hope he does it. That'd be kind of cool, you know, to take out the hype train. But Bo Nickel is a phenom as far as uh, wrestling goes. Cody Garbrandt back on the fight, or back fighting in bantamweight. There's Trevin Jones. Derek Brunson versus Drickus Duplessis. That's interesting. American Wrestling versus South African Fury. Ian Gary back. Other than that, I mean, it's mostly the main car that's something to behold. And Chris Curtis, I thought Chris Curtis was fighting on this car. Hmm. Maybe not. I'm pretty sure he is. I'm pretty sure Chris Curtis is on this car. Alright, well, that's all I got for you guys. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I know it was a lot heavy John Jones and mental. I just had a lot to talk about. But, like I said, follow the podcast, subscribe, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, all the places you can find podcasting, as well as YouTube. Hit that noti bell, subscribe. I appreciate the love and support. Until next time, next week, I'll come back with a breakdown of what happened this past weekend. And... Until then, I've been your host, Daniel Jonas. Remember, if you're in Charlotte, hit me up uh, doing PTs, privates, downstairs, in the lab. All right, till next time. Peace.